The following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star Community Radio program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Connors FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate. Or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon and welcome to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are two Texas licensed attorneys and we are here on 104.5 and 106.1 every Tuesday from 12 to 1 p.m. and we are talking about legal issues. We have been talking last week, we were talking about Second Amendment and uh, the Stand Your Ground Doctrine. Tony, we really didn't get to that second part, but I think it's really interesting to our listeners, and I think everybody needs well, to know important. what that is. It's a very important, and we're going to talk about the Second Amendment, too, because um, I, before our show today, I got I got caught up in reading about the uh, Texas independence and the Mexican-American War, which kind of led me to looking at some background of Santa Ana, and I don't know why um, that suddenly interests me, but it really is related because um, the, the, the Texians, as they were called at the time, were uh, were friendly with Santa Ana mm-hmm. in the 1820s. Santa Ana was born in 1794, and in 1821, he actually, or actually probably a little before that, but it was because of him that Mexico um, became, was no longer a territory of Spain. So he was a hero. Right. He was a young hero. Mm-hmm. He was also an opportunist, and he was a politician. He was a very good um, commander-in-chief of the army. His hero was Napoleon. Mm-hmm. That's why you see all the Santa Ana looking like Napoleon. Mm-hmm. Napoleon was alive during that period. Mm-hmm. He read all of his uh, the, 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 his war strategy. So Santa Ana mocked or mimicked not mocked, but mimicked Napoleon. Mm-hmm. And they kind of went down the same way because of their pride. They, they lost their stature. But, uh, but Napoleon won a lot for France. Right. But for him, France would not be what it is today. So right. he really was a hero. Right. Um, even though he got kind of crazy and cocky mm-hmm. after he won a bunch of wars. Right. And Santa Ana was the same way. But for Santa Ana, being born in Mexico under the Spanish rule and then learning to be a really good general, they would not have been independent of Spain. And he, he ruled a lot of territory at a young age. Mm-hmm. We're talking California, Arizona, all of Mexico, right. Texas. Right. And ultimately, um, you know, it, it was... He was actually friendly with us when the Texas settlers first came in. It was it was Indian territory. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of my best friends, um, one of her relatives, John Montgomery and um, Andrew Jackson Montgomery, who are the namesakes of our 
Montgomery City and Montgomery the City and the County. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friends related to them. I found out she's like the Princess, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Duchess of Montgomery. Um, they uh, Angie, I believe John Montgomery's wife, when they were coming to settle in Texas, was killed by Indians at the Arkansas Texas border um, before they came down here, and they were just following Santa Ana's land grant rule. Um, and so Santa Ana was a good guy for a while when he right. was in his thirties, and then mm-hmm. you know um, all of the, I guess, becoming uh, pride was his downfall. Well, wasn't it because we invaded or we moved into Texas and then we wanted to annex it and make it part of the United States? And he was like, no way. He was. Um, You're he, not doing that. He actually was on the side of the Texians. He was friendly with the people that were settling Austin Colony and everybody coming in. And mm-hmm. they were going to get their one league when they settled here with their family. Because he wanted them to run the Indians off for one thing. Because a lot of the territory was, was Indian. And they were. And Santa Ana couldn't control all of this land. I mean, he was a. A young guy, basically, in his yeah. 20s and 30s, from uh, born in, in a Mexican state at the time, a Spanish state. And um, he couldn't control all that land. So he wanted subjects that came in under his authority mm-hmm. uh, and rule and under mm-hmm. his terms to come mm-hmm. in. And one of the terms that was interesting enough was that you had to be Catholic. Because remember, Mexico, since 1531, right, there was Our Lady Guadalupe, mm-hmm. everybody went from you know, crazy Aztec, you know, warriors, you know, chopping heads off and sacrifices to Catholicism Mm -hmm. because of that miracle of Our Lady Guadalupe, which Mm -hmm. today still is is like the most visited uh, shrine of the Catholic faith. Is that the cloth thing? Um, It is a uh, a real short little history on Our Lady Guadalupe. Um, She uh, came, she was a vision to... um, What's his name? What was the saint? It's not Saint Ferdinand, but uh, she appeared before um, a, a peasant, and I can't remember the saint's name. He became a saint uh, in a territory that was really close to Mexico City, and now it's the, uh, the, the it was made to a shrine. But she appeared when his uh, uncle was sick, and uh, she said, "Hey, go tell the your uh, the guy that's uh, uh, the, the head of the the church down there." who really was the head of the country at that time, go let him know that I'm here and he needs to behave and he needs to, um, you know, uh, uh, that, that I'm here and, and Jesus is Lord. And, and we're watching. He need, and, uh, we're mm-hmm. watching. And he needs to know that I am here, and I'm paraphrasing here, and I want to put a church right here on this um, on this hill. I think it was Topakwick or something. I forgot what the name of it is. It's really bad that I don't remember all the details. But, but basically, um, on December 12th, uh, right around there in 1531, um, the Blessed Mother appeared, and he said, "Hey, I'm just a peasant. No one's ever going to believe me that I saw you. No, no, no. Just trust me. You need to go down there. I know your uncle's sick, but go down and tell him now." And so uh, he didn't, though, and he he didn't want to see her the next day because he didn't do it. So he kind of went the long run, and then she met up with him again. Hey, I why are you afraid of me? I'm your mother, am I not? And um, so she says, "Look, go pick those roses over there around the corner." And um, and then go down there with him, and, and I will just let him know that I gave you these roses. And so he put him in his little poncho, his little $10 poncho he was wearing. And I guess it was uh, in, in December in Mexico City. I'm thinking it was kind of like Houston. You're going to have hot days and cooler days, but roses were growing. And so he, he goes on down to Mexico City to meet with the, the priest there, father, whoever. And the, the priests that were there for mission, it was still kind of small, I guess. It wasn't that small. I wasn't. I wasn't there. Fifteen hundreds. Yeah, but it was the Spanish rule. They had sent missionaries down here, and there were people from the Catholic Church there, and they they pretty much. This is what Mary, Mary wanted to go down there and say, "Hey, 
I need a church here and people need to start behaving and know that, that Jesus is, is the Lord and my son, you know, is, is the one that we all need to, to honor. Right. And so, uh, this, uh, this peasant, I can't, I can't remember his name. <laughs> this is bothering me. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, the, 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 the future saint that, that ran into her, uh, goes down there and sits quietly for the full day waiting to talk to this priest. And, um, they, they finally got around to him and, he says, hey, uh, the Blessed Mother, I ran into her, and she's saying, hey, we need to build a church there, and Jesus is Lord, and they really and exist. Her and her these flowers. And, and they, they're like, yeah, right, whatever. And they and she goes, here, she wanted me to show you this. And so he drops his little, he drops the, the, the roses poncho. out of his poncho that's been sitting there the whole day. And when he he drops it down, there is an image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, exactly as we see it today on his his clothes. And um, they were like, well, this is a miracle because um, there's no way that this 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 picture of this perfectly painted, beautiful woman who, where she appears is what she kind of looks like, and she looks like an Aztec princess, and she's beautiful, and everyone's seen the picture of Our Lady Guadalupe. Mm-hmm. And when, uh, so they, they showed it that, and then everyone believed, and so um, 500 years later, we're now, at, we're nearly at 2031, so that would be the 500-year anniversary of mm-hmm. this this cloak. Um, it still exists. It has never deteriorated, even though it was not put away. It was not protected for hundreds of years. Um, they did a DNA test on it, and they did all sort of scientific tests on it. It can't be blown up. They have no explanation. But the picture that you see today, it is framed in near Mexico City at a shrine that they built to her, is the, the cloak of San Juan Diego. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, it's the same cloak, and it is still, after 500 years, in basically perfect condition mm. and that's the miracle and so people go and i still haven't been there um they'll fly down to mexico city i need to do a day trip to see this mm-hmm. this painting mm-hmm. that there's no explanation for why it hasn't deteriorated why it's the same vivid picture they did a dna test on her eyes and they can see an image like the reverse and the people of the of san juan diego and the priests that are there they actually have been able Reflecting to identify in her, in, her uh, in the eye of this this cloak and uh they people tried to, to explode it but they can and to throw acid on it and it doesn't ever it doesn't it can't destroy it and so um because it is such a miracle that they can't even it's not even paint they can't even tell what it is that that is why our lady guadalupe is such a miracle and she this this image converted all of Mexico, hmm. all of South America, everyone. And that's why um, Santa Ana, also, uh, you know, Catholic. And right. Spain, of course, was very, very Catholic. Right. We had, you know, Our Lady was making appearances there as too, uh, with Napoleon, too, all over France. So she was kind of making her rounds. Mm-hmm. And um, so Santa Ana d- d- decreed that all people that wanted to come from America and to acquire their one league in Texas under certain conditions. Had to be Catholic. Um, had to be Catholic, and they had to sign off on it. So um, ultimately, though, um, Santa Ana was afraid of America, even though we just got our independence in 1776, and you read us the... the uh, Paul Revere's... Paul Revere's... Uh, Night Ride. Paul Revere's Night, Ride It was all poem. happening in the 17, late mm-hmm, 1700s. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time... The people that were establishing Texas were being born and mm-hmm. uh, coming in through mm-hmm. Europe and Texas mm-hmm. that that knew these people. So this was all happening really, really fast. 1776, America became mm-hmm. independent of, mm-hmm. of England. Mm-hmm. And then in 1836, Texas became independent of Mexico, who had just 
uh, in 1812 become independent of Spain. So all this stuff was going on well, It's all at interesting once. how history and how, I don't know, I feel like other countries always look at us and emulate us and they copy try. us. They try. Yeah, mm-hmm. they try. They won't re- readily admit it. Some countries it, won't, but It it's all true. goes toward being able to bear arms and defend yourself. And the reason that <coughs> CHOP was never going to succeed was, first off, we have a federal government that was going to come in and take, you know, it, it, they were going to kick the liberal mayors out and, 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 and protect the, the interest of the people that owned in Portland, uh, in Oregon. Yes. But they couldn't just do that. Right. You know, insurance will cover it only for so long. And then the people that actually own it are going to be like, yeah, we're with you, but you need to kind of move on because we can't run our business with this kind of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have, it wasn't like they were trying to take over the government, even though they were, but they didn't have a plan. Um, whenever you go forward as attorneys or as uh, um, opportuni- opportunistic politicians like Santa Ana, you need to have a really good plan like we did in America, right? right. And Santa Ana didn't. He, he, he was just... Um, divide and conquer and he had a little bit of a plan but it didn't he was also a terrorist and so he was a hero and a terrorist at the same time and that mm-hmm. kind of goes for Goliath the um Ameri- the Texians didn't believe for a second that he was going to slaughter everybody at Goliath they believed that when they surrendered as prisoners of war under a decree that he was going to let them leave and they had every belief until he killed them on Palm Sunday, slaughtered them basically at Goliad, that, that he was going to set them free to go back to America. But Santa Ana ha- didn't have that in mind because he was afraid of the Americans. The whole Texas revolution was because Santa Ana believed that the Americans outside of Texas, where mm-hmm. most of the people were coming in mm-hmm. from anyway, mm-hmm. were going to take over his position. And he had fear of that, much like Napoleon would did too. Mm-hmm. And so that was what he was really fighting for. I thought, you know, I need to put a cap on this right now before these Texians kind of get too uppity and, you know, they want to start t- telling me how I'm going to rule my country, even mm-hmm. though it's just a northern territory. And so that's how Texas won their independence. And later I learned by reading this, I didn't know that much about Mexican history, that um, the Mexican-American War took place in 1848 after Texas became a state of Texas. Mm-hmm. and um, A state of the United States. State of the, I'm sorry, a state of the United States. Mm-hmm. And um, Santa Ana was still in power. He, he was defeated, and it was a miserable defeat, one of his first ones in 1836 when when uh, Sam Houston defeated him over here in the, the little battle over here in San Jacinto. Mm-hmm. But because um, it really was a very short-lived battle, mm-hmm. but we won mm-hmm. because he wanted to live. Right. Um, he kept on fighting, and he had all that California and Arizona territory that was still part of Mexico. Right. And um, he, he fought um, America in eight, America, mm-hmm. one that he was afraid of in 1848. Mm-hmm. And uh, after about a year and a half war, he lost again. And as... We, we acquired California, Arizona, Colorado, that whole territory, mm-hmm. uh, which was nearly as large as the Louisiana Purchase mm-hmm. that we got from Napoleon during the po- time when he was failing. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, I, th- I guess we bought it. I forgot what we bought the Louisiana Purchase for. I think it was like $2 million. It was something, uh, yeah, I don't it was something really small, though, mm-hmm. for that much territory in 1803. Mm-hmm. But we bought that. We didn't fight Napoleon over it. Mm-hmm. We actually, as a, 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 as a part of our treaty... With Santa Ana, we purchased the Mexican territory of California, Colorado, everything outside of Texas, 
for the same amount. It might have been $12 million, um, in 18, I want to say 1848. Mm-hmm. And it was almost, it was the same size territory. So the way we got the Louisiana Territory, which was huge portion of the United States right. in 1803 by purchase through Napoleon mm-hmm. um, because he needed the money for war and he didn't think we were going to amount to anything mm-hmm. and maybe thought he could fight us later and get it back. Mm-hmm. And we acquired the Mexican territory that was all everything pretty much the west of that from Santa Ana uh, for the same amount of money mm-hmm. in 1848. So we were still a building country mm-hmm. uh, at that point. And then what did we do? We had a civil war mm-hmm. in, starting about 1860 because we were arguing with each other. And it wasn't just about slavery. It was, it was over the Louisiana Purchase, though. It was, That's over, what it was over. Um, the. It was really more economic than it was political. Right. It had a little bit to do with slaves, but that was just a part of it. The big part is uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. It was really about money and control. And um, you know, I'm not a big Civil War buff, but I can I know enough about the war that although right now we're looking at it from Black Lives Matter and you know uh, civil rights. The true reason for the um, the Civil War was uh, about money because the the northern states were not the farming states and they were the industrialists and they needed stuff from the south and the south was like you can't put tariffs on us and can try to control us we're the ones that are feeding you and and that's how it kind of got started and then they made it well the, there was something about the Louisiana purchase and the Monroe doctrine that any any state or territory that expanded into that region could not be a slave, could not own slaves. Right. So the South, my understanding is the South felt like because they added that on there, mm-hmm. and I believe it was the Monroe Doctrine, uh-huh. they added that on there, they were trying to crush the South. Slaves were supposed to be gotten right. rid of within 30 years anyway, right. mm-hmm. but it would give the South time to ease their right. way right. out of their dependence on that slave labor. Not unlike kind of what happened because the slaves were actually just they, they were servants they were mm-hmm. workers they, they were, were contract workers. laborers contract and laborers. part of their salary was you get to stay on the you're gonna be get like fed. people that we work now mm-hmm. you know you can stay at my house live in maids mm-hmm. you can stay at my house and we give you a salary you're gonna get this perk and you're like a part of our family well, and we the love bad you. part was that it was against their will they didn't consent to that right but a but, lot of them did go back to that and they became contract laborers yeah, in a different sense because they didn't have anywhere because else then to go you got, just like with Santa Ana you got the bad dictator type owners who were like you know beating them and being horrible but then you had the good owners who were treating them like family like thomas jefferson actually like valuable they were treating them like valuable possessions because everybody has value everybody that's that god gave a soul to that is born has value and just like jesus said if you're the the last and you always know these scriptures much better than me but the first will be last and the last will be right so you're all you're you were all born equal and whatever we we, we have to treat each other fairly. And a lot of, of people in the South were not treating their slaves that they bought fairly. But a lot of them were. And so, anyway, I, I don't really mean to get our whole show onto that part of it. But it, yeah. it, it, what, history repeats itself. And that's why our topic should be, even though I spent a lot of time talking about war, it, it, it relates to it. Because if you can't bear arms to defend yourself, you can't defend yourself against bad factions basically well and then i you know that's the thing about america our whole country is based on these type of things the second amendment i want to read it again for our listeners Uh, the second amendment is a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state Mm -hmm. uh the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed and remember in the poem of the midnight ride of paul revere the militia 
those were just people like you and yes. me that had guns, yes. mm-hmm. were alerted and fought the British off. Mm-hmm. And so our country is based on the right to keep That's in their arms. That's exactly what happened with Sam Houston because Santa Ana had already killed most of our legitimate militia, mm-hmm. people that had come in that actually knew what mm-hmm. they were doing. And mm-hmm. Sam Houston quickly pulled together a militia. A, a militia. Mm-hmm. And he taught him in two weeks, here, mm-hmm. this is what you do. Because and, we have the right to keep and bear arms, he was able to do right. that. And had we not, we would not be a separate state. We wouldn't Never. be what we are today. Never. And then they used good um, political strategy uh, to go forward and 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 surprise Santa Ana. And I do, and even though our show is not about the Texas Revolution, I do want to read about four paragraphs just to give our listeners an idea of less than 200 years ago mm-hmm. what happened and why we are independent this was mm-hmm. this was two generations ago right. two people that live 100 years right. ago right. this is not that long right. ago okay a lot of people died young but a lot of people did not die young mm-hmm. see anna did not die young well olivia de Havilland just died and she was 104 I, I couldn't believe it she just um had just turned 104 she was the age of my grandmother who lived to 96 mm-hmm. and to think that she was my grandmother's age yeah this isn't was that, not that long yeah, ago isn't that crazy and that she was the last surviving um uh, cast member of Gone with the yes. Wind, which has now been banned right now for the moment. But I just love Gone with the Wind because it was also very historical in the way it's it, been banned. Um, I didn't it was know banned that. on Netflix. They took it off because of Black Lives Matter. They said that it um, was kind of honoring, you know, they owned slaves and that kind of thing. And I thought that was a little bit crazy. But the truth of the matter is, it was written only um, 70 years after the Civil War mm-hmm. by, and she, the lady that had written it, Margaret, mm-hmm. oh, what was her last name? I can't uh, remember. Yeah. Whoever wrote it, I'm losing my mind. Um, the, uh, the lady that wrote it interviewed her relatives and was able, to, and she lived in Atlanta. So she was able to put together sort of a historic uh, a depiction of what happened mm-hmm. from the side of the South. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of unheard of, but it was, it was a good movie historically. And again, I'm into history because history repeats itself. And if you don't know history, then you're not prepared to go forward. Well, and, and what about the saying, uh, the thing we learn from history is that we learn nothing from history. <laughs> we do. You know. the, and I love that the Bible is 2000 years of history. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, we weren't there and we don't have good sources, but we do have a lot of really good sources because oh, yeah. They've been able to prove out a lot of its truth by the artifacts that they're finding in Babylon and in the Middle East and and just historic and the the Red the Dead Sea Scrolls were mm-hmm. hugely Huge. important mm-hmm. found in the 1940s mm-hmm. to support what the Bible says. Okay, so um, and this all so goes, what is this you're going to okay, read? I'm reading um, just the first four paragraphs of Wikipedia on the Texas Revolution because. Truly, they don't. You don't remember it from the fifth grade, and you can't appreciate it from the fifth grade, and uh, for third, fourth, fifth grade, and then you don't go back to it again because their lives are so busy. But it, it applies, unless you homeschool your children, and, and oh, okay, and you're right, homeschoolers, and they're few and they far know. between. They do know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just learning this now, but it goes toward uh, and it, uh, to putting together a militia with the right intent with the right basis for why you're fighting knowing why you're fighting and 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 then being able to pull together what you've won with the proper experts like you do in a trial to to form a government that has the right rule for the right reasons not like Santa Ana and that is why I believe that Mexico didn't flourish they had everything going for them but Santa Ana didn't form the government for the right reasons right. with the right people he right. sort of was Pride and, and what do they say? Pride before the fall. Pride comes before a fall. Okay, 
And that's in probably Proverbs and, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, I think it's Proverbs. (laughs) You're like the expert. You're right. You knew that. (laughs) I don't know it. but Okay, so let's hear this. Uh, The Texas Revolution was really a short little war. No one really, I didn't know that. Between October 2nd, 1835 and April 21st, 1836. That's what we just went through with with COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, October to April. Mm-hmm. That's how short the, the Texas Revolution was. But the next year, though, right? 35 to 36? 1835 to 1836. That is a, a basically a six-month period. We went from good friends with Santa Ana to we own Texas, and yeah. these are our borders. That okay. sets a six-month period from start to finish. No arms to arms, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, so the Texas Revolution was a rebellion of colonists from the United States and the Tejanos, Texas Mexicans, because there was no Texas. They were, we were in Mexican territory. Mm-hmm. Texas was a Mexican territory. Mm-hmm. And um, in putting up an armed resistance to the centralist government of Mexico, which was only, Mexico didn't exist before 1812 when, when St. Anna got it from Spain. Mm-hmm. So this was, they were also very new with mm-hmm. the only 20 years old mm-hmm. and not well established and unstable. Mm-hmm. Instability is mm-hmm. what Santa Anna uh, capitalized mm-hmm. on. If you saw, and that's what Napoleon capitalized mm-hmm. on. That's what China's capitalizing on. Mm-hmm. They say instability and they swoop in and start, mm-hmm. be- before you know it, they're taking, they're taking over. over. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we need to be really careful about watching out what's going on outside mm-hmm. of. That's what happens in marriages. You're not aware, and then, whoop, you know, some cute young thing has, uh, has seduced your husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not what happening with mine, <laughs> but but I'm aware that it will never happen because I'm, I know the Texas Revolution. <laughs> um, while the uprising was a part of the larger one that included other provinces opposed to the regime of President Antonio Lopez de Santa Anna, which is St. Anne, so he was actually got, his name actually is much longer than that. It's like, you know. I think 20 words. Um, the Mexican government believed the United States had instigated the Texas insurrection with the goal of annexation. So Santa Ana wasn't afraid of the Texians. He was afraid of the United States. Mm-hmm. And that was why he started pushing back. The Mexican Congress passed the Tornell Decree, declaring that any foreigners fighting against Mexican troops, quote, will be deemed pirates and dealt with as such being citizens of no nation presently at war with the Republic and fighting under no recognized flag. So basically, Santa Ana said, if you're against the Mech, if you're not with us, you're against us. You're a pirate. We don't care where you're from. We don't, uh, we're, right. we're going to kill you. Sure. Okay. And only the province of Texas succeeded in breaking with Mexico, establishing the Republic of Texas, and eventually being annexed by the United States in 1945. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 1945? I'm sorry, 1845. Oh, okay. Thank I was you. like, Ooh. no, no, that would have been crazy, like Hawaii or something. No, it was a really short period that Texas was under its own republic, Governance. which was mm-hmm. 1836 when we became separate because Texas got the six flags of Texas. Mm-hmm. Can't remember the life of me what they all are, but no, mm-hmm. one was Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure, one's the United States and one was Texas. Mm-hmm. Can't remember what the other three are. Was it France and and um, look it up real quick? What were the six flags? I don't know, but if okay. these four paragraphs, it's going to take thirty minutes. No, it's not. I'm going to finish. Only the okay. The revolution began in October of 1835 after a decade of political and cultural clashes between the Mexican government and the increasingly large population of American settlers in Texas. The Mexican government had become increasingly centralized, and the rights of its citizens had become increasingly curtailed 
particularly regarding immigration from the United States. In other words, Santa Ana was starting to put a lot more um, rules uh, in order to maintain his control. Mm-hmm. Colonists and Tejanos disagreed on whether the ultimate goal was independence or a return to the Mexican Constitution of 1824, which is what Santa Ana set up after he became the self-nominated president of Mexico after their they won over Spain. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. While delegates at the Constitution, provisional government, debated the war's motive, Texians and a flood of volunteers in the United States defeated the small garrisons of Mexican soldiers by mid-December 1835. So the Texans were ahead. Two months later, we were we were there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of caught Santa Ana off guard. He didn't mm-hmm. think that we had it in us. Mm-hmm. The consultation, and remind, mind you, we had a ton of... of uh, People, the Austin settlers who came in 1825, mm-hmm. we had a ton of people that had land grants from a very happy to give it to us, Santa Ana, mm-hmm. uh, starting in 1822 forward. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people living here that were under his control and wanted to make sure he was happy mm-hmm. because we just wanted everybody to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, the con- And we had contracts with Santa Ana that said we own this land, and so we needed to keep things peaceful or go to war with them. Um, so it was basically a contract dispute. The consultation declined to declare independence, and the con- uh, which was the the small government of Mexico. Uh, a, a small the consultation was just a, a government that had formed that that, that was called the consultation. Um, in installed an interim go- the consultation declined to declare independence and installed an interim government whose infighting led to political paralysis and a dearth of effective government in Texas. So um, Mexico had put together a small little mini government for Texas, and because they were fighting amongst themselves, it made the Texas people that came over, uh, Bowie, Fannin, Sam Houston, stronger mm-hmm. because we weren't fighting, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we had a goal. The ill-conceived proposal to invade Metamora siphoned much-needed volunteers and provisions from the fledgling Texian army. In March of—and this is skipping over a lot of stuff—in March of 1836, a second political convention declared independence and appointed leadership for the new Republic of Texas. So um, the next period is going to go backward a little bit, but basically— uh, the Texans said, uh, "San Antonio is always doing, and we're going to form a government amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, let's put it together and, and win over this country." He he's a good uh, warrior, but we've got home ground advantage, kind of mm-hmm. like Chop. Mm-hmm. Uh, determined to avenge Mexico's honor, Santa Ana vowed to personally retake Texas. He was mad that in December of 1835, after two months, that these little colonists were disrespecting him. Mm-hmm. Um, his army of operations entered Texas in mid-February 1836 and found the Texans completely unprepared, which they were, the Alamo and Goliad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just thought, hey, we won. This is mm-hmm. great. They took over Alamo. They took over a couple of other little forts, and they're like, yay, we won. Here's our flag. And Santa Ana wouldn't have no part of that, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Mexican General Jose de Uria led a contingent of troops on the Goliad campaign up the Texas coast, defeating all the Texian troops um, in his path, executing most of the of those who surrendered. And that was mm-hmm. everybody in Alamo, everybody in Goliad. Yeah. Santa Ana led a larger force to San Antonio of Bear, where his troops defeated the Texan, Texan garrison in the Battle of Alamo, killing almost all the defenders. They let just a few people go to let them know, hey, this is what happens if you don't surrender to us. Um, a newly created Texan army under the command of Sam Houston was constantly on the move. 
while terrified civilians fled with the army in a melee known as the runaway scrape. This is where bearing arms, this is the last paragraph, comes into play. All right. So the citizens were like, we are out of here. We would like to live. We don't want to be slaughtered by Santa Ana. Take your country. We're going to go back to the U.S. or Kansas or wherever. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, we're out of here. Our life mm-hmm. means more. On March 31st, uh, Houston, Sam Houston, paused his men at Gross's Landing on the Brazos River. And for the next two weeks, the Texians received rigorous military training. These are just civilians that didn't know anything about what they were doing, Mm -hmm. but they had arms. Mm -hmm. Becoming complacent and underestimating the strength of his foes, Santa Ana further subdivided his troops. On April 21st, Houston's army staged a surprise assault on Santa Ana and his vanguard force at the Battle of San Jacinto. Mm-hmm. San Ana didn't even fight in this, barely, because he just didn't wasn't he didn't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. He had just won and slaughtered. Right, so he thought that was easy. The Gol- Goliad was horrible because um, just a few weeks before, uh, uh, General Fannin um, had, or if it was a general, but Fannin, who was a West Point cadet who know all about war, thought, well, we're doing pretty good. We're just going to... We're going to stay put. We're going to win over the troops this way. But they were waiting for reinforcements that didn't come. That was what killed everybody, Goliad and Alamo, because they didn't get the reinforcements. But Sam, but Sam Houston was back in Houston. He may have been part of it, too. He didn't give him the reinforcements. He didn't want to die. It was smart, hmm. but he stayed back, okay? Um, and he had a home ground advantage at the hmm. Siege Center. Hmm. The Mexican troops were quickly routed and vengeful because they were really mad over Goliad. Everybody mm-hmm. getting slaughtered after he said he was going to let him go. Um, the vengeful Texans... Uh, executed many who tried to surrender. Santa Ana was taken hostage, and in exchange for his life, he ordered the Mexican army to retreat south of the Rio Grande. Mex- uh, Rio Grande. Mexico refused to recognize the Republic of Texas, and the intermittent conflicts between the two countries continued in into the 1840s. Mm-hmm. So we won, but we were still fighting, but we had a very stable government. Mm-hmm. We needed to have our arms, though, to be able to keep fighting Santa Ana. All mm-hmm. was not over at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still the Wild West. The annexation of Texan at Texas as the 28th state of the United States in 1845 led directly to the Mexican-American War that started in 1848. We were still fighting Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. But because, just like right now, we have a federal government that we, we weren't we went to civil war later, but we still had the the arms and the, the support. support of a strong government in mm-hmm. 1848. We were able to win, uh, I believe it was in 1849, in the uh, Texas, a, let me see if I even have it in here, it doesn't matter. We beat them in the American, the Mexican-American War, and we got all of that territory that we talked about earlier. And it all goes toward being able to bear arms. Okay. Without that, we could not be where we are today. Um, The Six Flags over Texas, the Six Flags of Texas, Spain, France, Mexico, the Republic of Texas, Confederate States of America, and United States of America. I forgot that France... Was I remember Spain. France, right, and Spain. And then right. Spain won, and then it was Spain. Right. And then Mexico won. It was over Mexico. Right. And then after we became a state in 1836, we were a Confederate state. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. For four years. For four years. And mm-hmm. then the United States of America uh, flew over Texas, actually, in 1845 mm-hmm. to 1861, and then 1885 to the present. So there was a little glitch in there where we were the Confederate Mm-hmm. Well, no, actually, the Republic of Texas. It would have, Republic, we would have been um, 1845, we were Texas, but then they won in the Civil War in about 1865. So we would have still, uh, after 1845, we would have been 
the American flag would have flown after 1865 when the civil when the North won the Civil War, I think. But anyway, that's kind of here to there. We that was a little background, and I just have to read one more thing about Fannin. Just bear with me. It does have to do with the right to bear arms. Okay, so our show is about the right to bear arms in Texas history today. Yes, yes, yes. we got. Not that much longer. Okay. okay. Um, as the ashes, and this is why we bore arms, though. You've got to really be motivated. And they were motivated after going. There's so much political discussion these days, and all that motivation has just gone out the there, window. Well, there's no motivation right now with what's going on in our current sphere. Right. Because there's not even a reason why people are, are looting and, and vandalizing their own neighbors. Black, white, or, you know, purple. It didn't matter. There's no, they don't have a cause. It's just politically, I think it's so that Trump won't be, you know, he'll be weakened. Because what other reason could there be? There's not a, here's what we want. Because when they say what they want, it's ridiculous. Well, or if, what was that, the Justice Act that that one senator, I believe, was coming up with and everything they disagreed with, he said, I can fix that. We can come to some common ground. But then they just got up and walked off and they were mad. Yes. So forget it. We're not agreeing with Anything. It's like here's they, our the here's chaos. our list, like a mediation. Here's a list of things that we want, and we can work with you on these. And then, but they're not asking for anything that's doable. We want to be our own nation. We want you know reparations for everybody that you know has a point oh 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 eight percent of black in their blood, which means I should want that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got that. But um, anyway, so you've got to have a, a good cause. And in, in the case of Texas, they had a good cause because Santa Ana had betrayed them in every way. He basically. Although he was killing people uh, and saying you're pirates and we're going to kill on sight, these people had entered a contract. It's all about a con- uh, contract disputes lead to death. Absolutely, a contract dispute mm-hmm. over land is what mm-hmm. led to, in large part, the the Texas you know revolution, and a contract dispute with um with with uh, the people at Goliad and Fannin saying you weren't going to kill us. We we're just going to be. We promise we'll leave and we'll go back to the United States. That's really who your your nemesis is. And instead, he marched them out when they thought they were being marched home in four different areas away from the Goliad Fort where they had all been put together. And they were all assassinated with just a few getting away to be able to tell about it. And they weren't even supposed to be let go except for people like one guy I read said um, – he spoke Prussian. He was from Germany. He spoke German. He said, well, I'm really German. You know, you need me, and I'm going to help you. And they let him go because he convinced the people there, well, I'm not even on their side. I just got kept. So a lot of, like, uh, people that used their wits about them were able to get, let go. But there are only, like, 40 survivors, and it was a huge massacre. And um, But I'm going to read these two paragraphs, and then we're going to go straight over to Stand Your Ground. Um, As the ashes of Alamo continued to smelter, Sam Houston feared another disaster could befall his Texas army. Mexican forces under General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana continued to sweep across Texas forward toward Fort Defiance, the Presidio in Goliad, and had been seized, which had been seized by the rebels in 1835. So where was this? Um, Goliad was Fort Defiance because where is that located? Uh, Goliad is um, uh, kind of it's south of San Antonio. Kind of between San Antonio and Houston, but to the south, kind of okay. midpoint, right? Okay. It's not okay. that far from here. Yeah, I know where it is. Uh, um, uh, you can drive out, I think, 59 South and get mm-hmm. there. Um, Houston ordered Colonel James Fannin, has mm-hmm. all the street names after him and buildings and stuff, mm-hmm. to evacuate his 400-man force from Goliad and retreat to Victoria. But Houston, like, you need to get out of there because Santa Ana's crazy, and you're going to die. He just killed everybody over there at the Alamo. Um and uh, in Victoria, a town 30 miles to the east behind the natural defense of the Guadalupe River. Mm-hmm. We had the home field advantage because Santa mm-hmm. Ana had taken over. He really didn't know Texas as well as the Texians did. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the uh, which reminds me, uh, John Montgomery and the people that settled Montgomery were were uh, they knew Indian. They 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 knew the Indians. They dealt. They could communicate with the Indians, and that's how a lot of them were here. Even. Uh, they were saying, hey, Santa Ana, give us the land. But they were also negotiating with the Indians that were there hmm. so they didn't get killed. Right. So there was a lot of stuff going on. A lot. These were really brave people. They were they fighting were. a lot to get they out were. here. And we really can't appreciate that they didn't just come over here and take over the land. No. A lot of them, in a very friendly way, said, hey, Indians, we'll take this. You can have this, and we'll trade and work with you. And that mm-hmm. it wasn't a slaughter. It mm-hmm. was a negotiation. Mm-hmm. The immediate advance of the enemy be confidently uh, – the, the immediate advance of the enemy may be confidently expected – quote, is what Houston was telling Fannin, warned him. Prompt movements are therefore highly important. He was saying, get out of Goliad, you're going to die, okay? Him and his uh, 400 men. Uh, Fannin, however, lacked the same urgency as the orders he received on March 14th in 1836. Hmm. He just didn't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Houston said, get out of there. Right. And Fannin was like, ah, oh, you know. And it's just, okay, so Fannin, the finely bred West Point-trained officer, Lingered for a few days as a 1,400-man army led by Santa Ana's Chief Lieutenant General Jose Uria closed in on Goliad. He didn't know. They don't have cell phones these days or satellites. Or drones. Or drones. Um, whether indecisive, stubborn, or loyal to the rebels away on missions whom he did not want to abandon, Fannin remained in Goliad until the morning of March 19th. By the time the colonel ordered the retreat, it was too late. Uria's advance riders had already spotted the Texans, the Texan defenses, and the main army was just hours behind. It was too late. They were they had him surrounded. Even on the moon, Fannin's long de- delayed retreat advanced at a sluggish pace. When one of their carts fell into the San Antonio River, the colonel told his men to halt and retrieve it. Leave it. He should have just said, we got to go. Run. Mm-hmm. Um, over the protest of his officers, Fannin also ordered the troops to stop for more than an hour to allow their oxen to graze. While the livestock ate, the rebels' stomach rumbled since they had forgotten to pack any food. Oh, no. <laughs> it was like, Fannin. Um, I'm surprised Fannin has so many streets named after him uh, because he died at the Goliad. He was slaughtered because of this indecisiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, when the Texans finally resumed their march in the afternoon, they quickly encountered the Mexican forces. Instead of taking cover in the nearby woods, Fannin ordered his men to form a square in an open prairie near Colito Creek. With cannons stationed at each corner of the square, the Texans held firm. Although shot in the thigh, Fannin continued to lead the fight until darkness fell. Encircled by enemy and low on ammunition and water, the desperate Texans worked through the night to dig ditches and haul overturned carts, dead horses, and even fallen comrades to buttress the forts of their earthworks. They were trying to protect themselves. While when dawn broke, however, so did the realization that the arrival of Mexican reinforcements during the night had made their situation hopeless. Faced with annihilation, the Texans raised a white flag and were marched back to Goliad and incarcerated in the Presidio Chapel at Fort Defiance, along with other rebels captured in the nearby area. Fannin had hoped and even expected that his men would be treated as prisoners of war and given clemency. If Urea gave him that got, got guarantee, 
Um, however, he did not have the power to do so. A decree created by Santa Ana in, in December of 1835 ordered that all foreigners fighting against the government would be treated as pirates and executed. Urias, however, urged his commander to be lenient and to show the generosity after the hotly contested engagement is worthy of the highest commendation. So he was like, they fought hard. Let's give them a break. Mm -hmm. And I can do no less than commend it to your excellency. And so basically what happened was um, Urea backed down. Santa Ana said, execute them. Every, he had entered this agreement that they would be they would be able to go back, and uh, they were tricked into going out and thinking they were going to be collecting food or just marched home to the United States or to a ship. Um, they were all slaughtered at Goliad. And so because of that slaughter, the uh, Sam Houston, everybody was remembered the Goliad, and you see the arm with the blood coming off of it. Mm -hmm. It infuriated the people that remained, including the United States, that he could be such... It's so inhumane to people that had surrendered and were willing just to go. Mm -hmm. And but Santa Anna on the same turn was like, "How dare you deceive me? And I was on your side and I gave you this land, and now you're not. Since you're not with me, you're against me. I'm going to kill all y'all." And so um, that's because of the anxiety over Goliad. Remember the Goliad even more so than the Alamo, which had happened before. That is how we basically won our independence, and we had we, got, we were able to get the militia together to bear arms to to fight for a cause. And then we had such a great government after the fact with Sam Houston and all of our leaders mm -hmm. and then helping the United States that we were able to, um, I say helping the United States, our leaders came from the United States. Right. You know, right. We, we, we didn't have people that were born and bred here right. forever. Right. All right. So, um, stand your ground. Uh, and I'm going to give like a, a, a little synopsis of people that want to bear arms in the night mm -hmm. and when you can defend your property and when you can't. Right. Because people think you can stand your ground and get a gun out just like here. And I know. You can't do that. You will get in big trouble. Not under all circumstances. Okay? And, and to recap what stand your ground is, just one, one paragraph from last week from, um, from basically the law. Um, stand your ground is also line, uh, drawing a line in the sand and no duty to retreat law. It provides that people may use lethal force to defend themselves or other, a right of self-defense against threats of reasonable or reasonably perceived threats, regardless of whether they can safely retreat from the situation. Under such a law, people have a duty to retreat from any place where they have a lawful right to be and may use, I'm sorry, have no duty to retreat from a place where they have a lawful right to be and may use any necessary force if they reasonably believe they are in imminent uh, danger of death, and bodily harm, kidnapping, rape. And some states don't have that. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is the stand your ground law is, is a law in almost every state. And if you have imminent danger of fear, just like in Florida, just like we do in Texas, just like in California and all these other states, then you can defend yourself, particularly if someone's firing upon you and you're at your own house. Um, doesn't okay. California have the duty to retreat if you can safely retreat? If you can safely retreat. And that, that comes up so much because It's people, a can of worms because to prosecute. They get, you get shot or, in the back, but right. just like that guy over there at Wendy's, the one that... The second guy, not George Floyd, no, who but couldn't the, retreat. What was but, that guy's name? Bradford? Oh, Bradford, yes, I can't remember. But um, with, he was retreating, but he was also shooting the, the policeman's taser gun while he was retreating. Uh, so what is that? Did I, They have a stand-your-ground law in, in uh, Missouri, I believe it is. So he, th th he's, I believe the officers are going to win on that because this guy, even though the officers weren't on their own in their own home territory— they did have him under arrest because he didn't. Um, he had, a, I believe, that he, he, was he shouldn't have been drinking, and he was supposed to be drinking, and he 
uh, I forgot why, and I don't. I'm speaking out of turn here. They may not have standard ground may not have applied there, but it did to the extent that law enforcement. He was already under arrest, and he tackled him and took his weapon and fired upon him. Could the officer have used less than deadly force to get his taser back? I mean, this guy had his taser and he's running. He fired the taser at him. We saw that on mm-hmm. all the videos, mm-hmm. and. Maybe the officer, I guess his in his defense, he could say, I wasn't aiming to kill. I was aiming to protect myself. I, I don't know. Yeah, but. I'm. so I just have to add this. I'm protecting myself from a man that's 40 feet away from me, running away from me. I don't get the shooting in the back thing. I, it was explained to me that if someone steals a, an officer's weapon, mm-hmm. then that officer cannot let that person get away because they could use police weapons mm-hmm. on other people so they have right. to stop them but i mean even in the wild west you didn't shoot somebody in the back right. so you know i mean so we don't I know about the real... autopsy yet we haven't right. seen it so that that's going to have to unfold we they're they're said that this guy was shot in the back but at the same time we have a video showing that he's facing the officer firing a taser which is also a deadly weapon so and it's the officer's taser so i don't know enough about it um he got the officer's taser He's aiming it at yeah, him. Yeah, I saw it. I remember him shooting it, but I don't I don't remember him shooting it at the officer. I think he shot, and he shot. Oh, no, see, I don't know that either. It looked like <clears> on the <throat> video it was shooting toward, he was facing the officer he's running away from. But I'm not on the jury. We haven't seen it. Right, so that's right. kind of all going to unfold. Mm-hmm. But here's the scenario, and I know we only have a few minutes, but I have to read this out because it's important. Um, it's midnight, and you've awakened a strange sound somewhere outside the front of your home. You get out of bed, you grab your firearm, you run to the front window and look outside. That's when you see a masked man in your yard peeking into your car, looking around for security cameras. What can you legally do to stop him? Do you have to let him steal your property? Let's change it up a bit. What if it's the, if the sound turns out to be broken glass from the, your front door and you walk into your living room only to discover your front door wide open? You hear someone moving in the next room and you know your wife and child are still in bed asleep. What do you do? These are very frightening scenarios we hope you'll never have to face, but we want you to understand the potential criminal consequences that you, as a responsible gun owner, could face if you use force or deadly force to defend against certain types of crimes involving property. Remember, many states strictly forbid the use of deadly force to protect your property. In Texas, you can use deadly force to protect your property. Right. Now, um, let's look at the potential consequences you face if you decide to confront these types of perpetrators with force or deadly force. Texas Penal Code, Section 941, is what you want to look at. It explains that a person is allowed to use force, but not deadly force, to terminate a mere trespass or interference with property, not deadly force. Right. Okay? Trespass occurs when a person enters in, onto or into property knowing that its entry is forbidden or remains on the property after being told by someone to leave. Mm-hmm. I kind of doubt if you're there in your house, you, you would you would shout leave if you thought they had a gun. Mm-hmm. But they should know if, they, if it was locked. That's mm-hmm. good enough. Your front door's locked. You need to get out. Theft or interference with property occurs when a person takes another person's property with the intent to deprive them of that property without the owner's consent. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to have to tune in next, next week, week. And we will get to the Stand Your Ground Doctrine. And we're going to tell you what you can and cannot do under those circumstances legally. Mm-hmm. And then we'll bring Homeowners Association into it. Hopefully we'll get to that next week. Listen, thank you for listening, guys. Um, we want to remind you to serve God by serving others. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, 
and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoy today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.